This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. All right, welcome back to Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. And today we have something really fun. And I'm really, really excited about it because we basically have a three-course meal, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, appetizer, meal, and dessert. So um, we did something super cool today. I'm sure you guys saw it on our Facebook. We um, spent the day at the Bridgeport Farmer's Market. We did, and, and it was awesome. It was it super was. fun. We got a chance to meet all kinds of people. So if you're hearing this, thank you for stopping by. It was cool to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. And we jump at any chance to stop back at the lunchbox. Absolutely. So. And we totally did. We so did. shout out to them. We finally got to try their uh, banana, banana pudding. pudding. Oh, mm. Lord, was it good. It was. Man, it was really, really good. Now I know why it was sold out when mm -hmm. I went to get it before. I get it. Yeah. I absolutely get it. Um, it was awesome. And by the way, to the people who remarked about how amazing my voice is, um, you're correct. And I First appreciate First of all, that. rude. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that. So we ended up picking up some baked goods from This and That uh, Bakery and Catering. Uh, they are a small business. And I believe that they, it doesn't say where they're out of, but I know they're local. Um, so this and that bakery, um, we can at least give out like their Facebook info. We'll put it up on our on our page when, when this episode goes live. As we do. As we, we usually try to. Yeah. Um, so we picked up three things. Do you want to walk through what they are? Uh, yeah, so it looks like we have a, I know for a fact this is a focaccia. Is it a, like a sun-dried focaccia? Yeah, with... it's tomatoes and basil, I believe Ooh. is what it was. Tomato, basil, okay. focaccia. Yeah. Cool. And um, we also have a banana pepper filled pepperoni roll. And mm -hmm. you know how we feel about pepperoni rolls on this show. And then this is this is the spot where it's going to get tricky on whether or not I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. Because it's um, I picked up a pack of macarons and I am a fiend for macarons. This is where you get snobby and I not get me. so snobby. Yeah. So. Because they're so good if they're done right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested. It's it's delicate. It looks correct. Um, it's got the little foot like it's supposed to. Uh -huh. I'm just worried that when I bite into it, it's just going to be filled with air and it's not going to have the consistency it's supposed can I, to. Can I be honest with you? I don't like macarons that much. Well, but you're I'm wrong. Gonna try That's it. fine. I'm going to try it. I, it's fine to be wrong, Matt. It's okay. It's all right. I'm allowed to be wrong. I got the chocolate one, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Did you like the ones at Millie's party? They were pretty good. I, I recognize that they are likely made very well, but remember I'm a textural eater and there's something that's about the texture that's a little well, odd. Well, they're a meringue cookie, but they're mm -hmm. not just meringue. They've got a little bit of almond flour in nice. it and that's probably the texture See, you're I feeling. And I don't like meringue, like on a pie. Well, it's different. It's it like is. a dried out yeah. meringue so maybe for a cookie. I don't, I don't know. All right. I'm going to start with the focaccia bread because yeah. it just looks it so It seems like the appetizer, good. yeah. Mmm. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a pretty solid tomato. It is. I can't tell if the basil was dry mm, when I you can't put tell it on either. here. It's, I think it was. It's got a lot of flavor. They could use more. 
I think it just needs some sea salt. Yeah, honestly. It, honestly, that would wake it up a little more salt because the the consistency of the bread is really nice. It's got a nice chew to mm -hmm. it that I like a lot. The tomato is delicious. Like it tastes mm -hmm. like a very good ripe tomato. Um, the seasoning is there, but it's not overpowering. I think if they sprinkled like kosher or sea salt on top of it, mm -hmm. that would just be the thing that puts it over the top for me. I agree with you completely. I'm gonna try another bite of it. Yeah, I think that's really the only thing, and that could be something that like they they intend for you to eat this with a dip. Yeah, because this would be really good with like some marinara on the side or something cool. like that. Yeah, yeah, I would be into that idea. Um, really good um, side dish for something like the bread to go with your pasta, something like that. Really good for that. Oh, it'd be really, really good with like a nice primavera or agreed. an olive oil base. Totally anything. agreed. Yeah. yeah. Like an olive oil Parmesan yeah. thing. Yeah. So. So now we have the pepperoni roll and I'm going to be honest with you. You'll see the, the, the cut off, the cut away of it. And it's one side is ready. where all the pepperoni is. And then there's a lot of bread. So I'm going to start with the bread first. I already beat you. We're there. Mm, really good bread. I'm sorry that you had to listen to Chew talking, Brittany. We apologize. That's really good bread. I really dig that bread. Mm -hmm. Really yeasty. It's nice and soft, though. The really texture's good. Really airy, too. Um, I like it. The texture is just right. All right. I'm going to yeah. try it with, with this middle part. And it's stuffed with banana peppers on the inside where the pepperonis stuffed. are, so I'm really excited. Okay. Now, they did a ramp pepperoni roll. Mm-hmm. We tried it. And it was out of this world good and this is also fantastic i am a this is something they can do year round i am a uh i i'm a pepper fiend mm -hmm. this is great i really like this mm -hmm. i'm trying to see if there's cheese in here i don't think there is there is not it's just squishy bread yep yeah, it's just bread um i love squishy bread me too. So here's what I'm going to say about it. I thought that I was going to think it needed more pepperoni. I actually don't think it does. So for my episode today, I have prepared something that I'm very, very excited about. I like that um, we've gotten on this uh, this kind of weird thing right now where you're bringing the heavy and then I'm bringing the, uh, the, the lighter mood. And I say lighter. This is not that much lighter. It's, <laughs> it's lighter because I really can't confirm firm a lot of what I'm about to tell you as anything more than just an urban legend, but I'm very, very excited to talk to you about it because it kind of hits a few different points that, um, I really like that all of your episodes just feel like it's the storyline of a supernatural episode that got mm -hmm. scrapped. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of <laughs> going in that direction right now. I was thinking more X-Files, but we could say supernatural too. We could do that. Or even Millennium. Did you ever watch Millennium? I didn't. Oh, I have every season. I'll bring it to you. It's excellent. Um, it's really, really it's good. Streaming it's streaming anywhere? It might be. It's it's a spinoff of the X-Files, but mm. it gets way darker. Um, it gets really good. Okay, so my episode today is going to take us all the way back to the 1960s. Specifically, 1963, from everything that I can find. So, we're going to be talking today about a town called Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Okay. So, who did I tell you this story kind of has something to do with? Stephen King. Where's Stephen King from? Probably Maine. Maine, yes. Have you never seen his house? 
Um, yes. My mom was really into Stephen King when yeah. I was growing up, but I have this awesome ability to forget literally everything. We need to make a road trip to Maine. Oh my god, go I would literally kill. It's really cool. We should no, we should like get on the road. We should go do lobster rolls, talk about true crime Love along the way. Rolls. We should totally do it because this is a place we should also visit. Old Orchard Beach, Maine. So, flashback to 1963. And the police department in Old Orchard, Maine we're in the market for a new police car. So they went and bought themselves um, a Dodge 330 four-door that was dubbed the Golden Eagle. So it was a big 1963 or 64. I believe it was 64. Um, Dodge uh, 330 Golden Eagle. And they bought it to be their brand new fancy police car. Okay. It was assigned to a police officer, mm -hmm. and by all accounts, he drove it around for weeks. Everything went smooth. He was just out doing his police thing. And one night, he comes home, mm -hmm. and the other police who are out on duty start getting weird uh, calls and stuff like that coming in. Radio uh, is, is telling them there's been a murder, suicide. They arrive at the scene. To find the Golden Eagle parked outside. And it is the police officer's home. He has murdered his entire family. And has killed himself. The car um, stays outside the house for a little while. And again, I'm having to interpret a lot of what I read here. So this is just what I read. And I can't confirm any of this is real. But the, the town is in shock. They have the funeral services. And obviously the police department just bought this car. They just bought it, so it has to be repurposed, has to be given to a different police officer. So a new police officer is handed the car. I can't find any names for who these police officers were. Uh, I'm not sure why. Hopefully I do eventually. And the car trades hands to a new police officer. Within a matter of weeks, this police officer murders his entire family and kills himself. Did they do any, like, research into who this car once belonged to? It was brand new when they bought it. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. All of this was happening in 1963 or 64, okay, so the year that the car was made. I have a comment about that. Mm -hmm. How come all of these, like, UFOs and abductions and cryptids, mm -hmm. like the Mothman and whatever's happening to this Christine police car mm -hmm. happened in the 60s. Were the cryptids just wild and also hopped up on coke or... I think we were all hopped up on a lot of drugs in the 60s. <laughs> uh, that's when acid first kind of coming on the scene. Okay, okay, okay. On the scene, So maybe it had to do with that. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it is it is interesting. It is interesting to think about. So, again... Two police officers have now had this car. Both of them, within a matter of weeks or months from having the car, um, have murdered their entire family and killed themselves. So the police car is repurposed once more to a third police officer. And I'm going to pause for just a minute and ask you, Kelsey, what do you think happened to this third police officer? He murdered his whole family and killed himself. No, he didn't. No, he absolutely did. Yes, oh, uh, he totally did. So I don't know that this is real. That's the only reason I'm kind of taking a, a, a kind of a jovial, uh, jokey 
thing with this because to me it feels like an urban legend i can't confirm much of this but it is a wild story and i do know for a fact that the car exists because you can go visit it right now i know where it's sitting who owns this car and we're gonna their family get to okay? that here in just a moment because the person who owns this car has one of the wildest websites i've ever been on in my entire life so it's crazy outweighed the car yeah uh her <laughs> Oh, even better. Yeah, because I would love to interview her. Um, I'm going to show you her website. What a wild ride. And, Let's go. And I'm, I'm going to get you kind of kind of caught up on this one because it gets it gets a little out there. So You're right. It's not out there already. The police department buys this car. And the police department sends it to three different police officers, all of which um, murdered their families and killed themselves. And finally, after the third uh, one, they decide this is no longer for us. We need to get rid of this car. Okay? We need to get rid of it. Please so tell me they sold it to somebody. They sell it to an old man. Does he have a family? Are they okay? So, by all accounts, this old man is absolutely fine. I mean, he might not be now. He may be, you know, he may have Well, this was the 60s when he was an old man, so he's probably point. gone. Um, so he decides, uh, he, he keeps the car for a while and then eventually decides to sell it. I can't find anything from his perspective that would say what this car was like or anything, but um, he decides to sell the car. So he decides to sell it and he sells it to Wendy Allen who owns kind of a, I guess you could call it a farm in Maine. And she is kind of known in the area for being very much into the esoteric. And she says that, the, from what I can tell, the reason she bought this car is because the nature of the car itself. So let's talk about the obvious elephant in the room, which is the Stephen King connection. Can you name the story and subsequent movie that may have been inspired by this? I feel like I said Christine. Is you that right? You did say Christine. Yes. So Christine <laughs> is... Have you ever watched the movie or read the book? I've watched the movie. My mom, like I said, was super into Stephen King mm -hmm. and read literally everything. Yeah. So I was raised in a Mopar family. Muscle car fanatics. Got you. And... We loved Christine because it was a 1958, uh, I believe, Plymouth Fury. Sorry for tomorrow, it might be a 57, Plymouth Fury. That was just kind of born bad. If you watch the movie, if you read the book, this car was just, from the time it was made, it was just bad. Something was wrong with it, right? Right. And that's what people feel about, that's how people feel about this car, okay? Right. So... The reason I bring up Stephen King's Christine is because in Christine, if you guys recall, what really sets the car off and makes her go out and start killing is a scene where some people vandalize the car. Do you remember that? No. So in the movie... I watched in, it when I was way too young <laughs> to be watching movies like that. So in the movie and in the book, the car is being rebuilt by Arnie who is the new owner of the car okay. and the car is slowly warping Arnie's mind and kind of connecting with him to where he's becoming violent and volatile. Well, there are some local bullies that don't like Arnie and they see that he has this cool car and they break into the garage where it's at and they take axes to it, baseball bats, jump up and down on it. And one by one, Christine hunts them down and kills them. 
I feel it. Let's talk about the true story behind that part. So this car existed, <laughs> and in its existence early on, it manages to, by all accounts, kill three police officers and their entire families, um, and gets sold to an older gentleman who, from the sounds of it, just kind of wanted to get rid of it and got rid of it to a lady who is very much into the esoteric, into the weird, and she parks it in, in her family farm and starts to drive it from time to time. Uh-huh. While Wendy's driving it, she claims that weird things will happen, like the doors will randomly open. Um, the radio will like go on and off. The windshield wiper blades come on on their own, things like that. And you got to think this is a car built in the sixties. It really didn't have automatic wiper blades. It really didn't have doors that could open themselves. So for things like that to happen, it's pretty weird. Of course, we can't verify that any of that happened, but you know, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we have to kind of take a word for it, Okay. but let's flash forward to the 1980s. And the 1990s. This car, apparently, the locals are not happy with having this car still in their area. And several local church groups and kind of kids in the local area start to vandalize the car. That seems like a bad idea. So she says says that uh, people were painting it, like spray painting, you know, pentagrams on it and spray painting all these other things like i've I've read several different outlets who say different things right, were painted so, on it yeah picture it it's the 80s mm-hmm. you and i both still have the same haircuts because correct that's how we are yeah all right it's the 80s terrible music is popular mm-hmm. we for some reason are church going folks yeah and we we're, we're running up that hill you know so running up that hill yeah so jesus Right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, so picture it. We are Christian people. We believe that pentagrams and shit mean the devil mm-hmm. because we're stupid. Yeah. When, um, yeah. And that's wrong. That's incorrect. Um, so the first thing we do to a demon car or what we assume is a possessed vehicle mm-hmm. is paint pentagrams on it to call Satan to it. Yeah, to to just to and to just kind of mess with it, uh, you know. First of all, first of all, I am not necessarily a God fearing person, but I wouldn't go around calling attention to something that I was clearly scared of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I. That's what I was thinking too. Here's, I'm like, here's the sense that I can't make out of it. Why would they paint? Why would they paint pentagrams of, like, wouldn't they paint yeah. like the cross? Like, please, I, Jesus, save so it. Here's the deal. I, I haven't fish. seen any pictures of what they did, but, uh, you know, and you got to think it was during the satanic panic. So like maybe some kids thought they were being cool and did that and they just kind of blamed it on the local church. So who knows? Um, personally, I would want to be friends with this car because let's, let's all think back to Christine. One of the great things about Christine, she fixes herself. You hit a bump, all right? You talk to Christine, and she's like, I'm good now. I'm cool, right? Yeah. Some, uh, some people beat her up and, uh, and, and, and you know, dent in everything, and she fixes herself again. Like, do you know how much you would save on car repairs if we could just bottle whatever's wrong with this car and, uh, and, and put it in every car? Like, do we you should know how all much have money demon possessed you would cars. Make? 
If you could yeah. be like, listen, I can possess your car to fix mm-hmm. itself. You never have to do another oil change. Yeah. It runs on fear. Yeah. Here, all these all these automakers are trying to, like, come up with a way to... Did Christine uh, take gas, or was it just hatred? You know, I never, in the movie, I never saw him fill her up. So, probably hatred. And the odometer ran, hatred. ran backwards in the movie, if you remember. So, I want a car that does that. Me too. Gas <laughs> like, prices are expensive. Like, listen, here's the thing. And I'm going to put this out there. So, if there are any demons that want to possess a car... Uh, I have got a 2000. 2000- I drive a Subaru. <laughs> I've got a 2006 Charger that really needs some possession right now because it's bothering me, and I am willing to give up my wife uh, to get a car that can fix itself. <laughs> so, Brittany, you're editing this right now, and you're like, "What the hell? Um, you knew this was coming, all right?" So, if there's any demons that want to possess my car, um, it's parked in Grafton, right off Route 50. So. Let's uh, let's meet up, let's discuss terms, and let's get you in there and get you to work. I'm told you have to meet at a crossroads. There's a lot of crossroads. Just tell me which one. There's one at the Dollar General right up the house, right up the road from my dad's house. I'll meet him there. All right, perfect. You me. have to meet him at night in the shadows. Uh, and they can possess my car. So I'm fine with that. So the Allen family who bought the car, <laughs> now that we're done with that, the Allen family who bought the car, again... Remain relatively untouched by this. Uh, they they said they fully embraced uh, how weird the car was and how evil it was. So they were kind of left alone. Wendy Allen did say that she used it as a daily driver. Um, and, uh, and assuming because she is a self-proclaimed witch, she got along with the car. And other than some, you know, some little things here and there, there were no major issues Here's the question. Did it fix itself? That I don't know yet, but there there is one thing that kind of lends me to think it did. And I'll get to that here in just a minute. So now let's talk about the people who vandalized the car. Because remember I brought that up. So this is all Wendy saying that this happened. So please keep that in mind, guys. I can't confirm this, but it's a pretty wild story. So in the 80s and 90s, several people who were local vandalized the car. Fucked around and found out. Many of them died in really bizarre ways. One was struck by lightning. Why wasn't this a Final Destination film? One was decapitated by an 18-wheeler. And two kids who were confirmed to have vandalized the car were hit by other cars and uh, and basically uh, killed. And... There are claims that one of them was killed right outside the property and died either leaning against or on the car in question. So keep that in mind. Who knows if it's real or not? Either way, it's creepy. The most eerie thing to have happened here happened in 2008. Um, two kids were uh, were basically, well, from my understanding, it may be more than two kids, but one kid was dared to go into the yard of the witch's house and touch the car. What the fuck was up with kids in the 80s, like, daring people to go into the witch's house? He touched the car, and several weeks later, killed his entire family, including the family dog, and burned the house down. What's the ghost have against dogs? I don't think the ghost has anything against dogs. I think there are some people that just can't handle the evil of the car. Yeah. So, with all that in mind... Um, here in a minute, I'm going to show you some pictures of the car. I think I can find this one. 
a real one. I, I have a friend who used to have one that was about the same year, and I think we should paint it the same gold color, and we should use it as our, like, main corpse car to go to events. Um, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. But instead of gold, we paint it our main corpse colors. Oh, uh, we could. We could do that. Yeah. How cool would that be? So Brittany's over my shit by at this point. She well, she wants one of these cars, so she would be fine with it. My my uncle had actually recently built a two door ver- version of this car. Oh, in sweet. his garage, yeah. So we we're big we, fans. We of these just cars. have to steal it from your uncle, is what I heard. <laughs> yeah, well, he <laughs> sold it already. Oh, um, that mother sold it for way more than we would have been able to pay for it. I um, didn't say we were paying for it, did I? <laughs> <still on> it. <laughs> so after all of these events happened. Um, the car was, uh, was actually, um, from her, from base, from her perspective, after the 2008 event, the car was essentially stolen off of her property and several yeah. local members of the community claimed to have cut the car into pieces and spread the pieces across several different junkyards, uh, to where no one could find the pieces. Somehow the car came back. And is back on her property. And there, I, I did read a few things from some forums where people who are local do claim that the car definitely disappeared from the property for a, an amount of time and then was back. So who knows if it was actually cut off or if someone just stole it and then it was recovered and brought back. Or it was know. just in the barn. Uh, yeah, or if it was just in the barn. Um, but it sounds like it could have reassembled itself, which would have been really, really I cool. I hope it did. Yeah. So this car definitely exists, whether all of the stories are true. They we have all to be. know we all know how urban legends are, so this could be getting blown way out of proportion. Um, however, the car definitely does exist, and according to everything I can find, it is still sitting on the the farm where it was to where where it, where it was in the story when it was vandalized and everything like that. So I'm showing pictures to Kelsey right now, and we will put those pictures up. These are the ones from 2010, these newest ones. Um, Yeah, that's what the interior looked like in it. So, yeah, again, whether you believe or don't believe the story, who knows? Um, Okay, but still, blown out of proportion or not, the car is doing something incredibly weird. Possibly. I want to see it. I want to see it in person. I don't want to necessarily go touch it. I'm going to touch it. You're going to. I'm going to touch it. Okay, so after you touch it, I am going to stay away from your house for about a month and a half. We'll do all of our recordings uh, remotely. Sounds good. And uh, I'm going to give Michael a heads up just to watch for weird behavior. So That's going to have to be, like, really specific. I'm going to have to get super specific. Here's the type of behavior to watch for. Because Uh, I am weird. Yeah. So this story came up. And I am, this one was kind of close to home for me because, like I said, I am an avid, avid uh, Dodge, Plymouth, and Chrysler fan. Um, So I've always loved Stephen King, number one. I was raised on Stephen King like you were. Um, And I was raised on Mopar, uh, Dodge, Plymouth, Chrysler. So from a young age, my dad was like, hey... Watch this movie about a car that can fix itself. And that was his whole take on it. It wasn't, <laughs> watch this movie about a killer car that literally murders people. He's like, you know my Barracuda out in the garage? What if it could do this shit right do here? Do you want to know something super um, embarrassing? Yeah. And you're going to laugh. Um, my As a kid, my favorite Stephen King film. Take a guess. Just guess. Okay, hold on a minute. Because you're not going to get it. Okay, I'm gonna go out and I'm I'm gonna go out in left field, and I'm gonna give you two that I think could have been your favorite. Okay. 
Tell me, can I can I ask one question? One single question. Or was it a made for TV movie? Oh, I don't know. Probably. Shoot. Okay. Probably. I'm going to go with the Tommyknockers. Or? Or the one about the cat people. What was it called? Um, sleep something. Hold on. That one. No, it was the Langoliers. The Lang- I almost said the Langoliers. <laughs> I was going to go with the Langoliers, and then I was like, nobody ever watched the Langoliers. I did, and I, I love, love that I movie. I still love it. I love it to this day, and it's it's not a good movie. It's um, terrible. I watched it recently, and it's so bad. So now that we're on the Stephen King subject, really quickly, I am going to say this, because I love giving movie recommendations. Have you ever watched The Night Flyer? No. Oh... Got it. So it's going to come up on movie night, I guess. I it, it is it is one of the most underrated Stephen King movies, and it's never gotten a release outside of VHS and an early like late nineties, early two thousands DVD. And I am still waiting for this movie to get a release because it is freaking great. It's really really good. Um, it's about a vampire that flies from little airport to airport and commits his crimes in like desolate locations at night. So he'll like fly into like a small airport that's in the middle of nowhere and like the people who run it will come out to like talk to him and he'll just murder him. Um, and it's really good. It's super, super good. Um, I highly Sounds recommend good. it. It's really gory too. It's, it's really well made. But yeah, this one, this one hit close to home and I'm trying to, um, you know, me and Kelsey both like weird as well as true crime. It's and true. this one kind of straddles that line. So here's what I'm going to ask. If anybody here who's listening to this knows anything about this story, maybe you live there locally, maybe your grandparents told you stories about it or your parents, we would love to hear from you because I want to unravel more about this because the problem is there was a story that came out back in like basically 2008, right after all, right after the car kind of disappeared, so supposedly. Okay. And every story and every bit of information I find from there is all the same story over and over and over again. Um, it never elaborates on anything. It never says what the names of the police officers who died after using this car on duty were it never says anything like that so i want more information on this and i want to kind of unravel it a little bit to do so we can do an episode about this that really dives deep into the lore behind it here's my question about it and it's lore because you said like 2008 ish is this something there's any news articles on or is this just a creepy pasta so there are news articles if you type in okay uh so if you if you type in like 1964 golden eagle haunted car or real life christine um it's all over the internet it's everywhere but the problem is like most urban legends like where you say Bloody Mary three times into a mirror, right? It, it's right. all the same story. Um, you'll okay. find a couple little different interpretations here and there, but it never really goes anywhere after that. So like I said, if You know, anyone, I bet if we go to Maine, we could find articles from that year. I, I think we should go to Maine. I also think we should go to Maine. Just just in Somebody the let Stephen King know. Um, I'm we'll coming. We'll be there. And he, I need to have yeah. a room ready, please. Yeah, Thank please. you. Please have a room ready for us. We will be there. So, again, if anyone has more information on this, because I'm going to be honest with you, I went to 
um, to her actual website, and I'll show it to you here in just a few minutes, I'm so, so you can get a look it. at this. Uh, I went to Wendy's actual website, and I can't make heads or tails of what's going on. So I can't find. I I, I went through it. I went through it for a, a, a solid day on and off for like an hour at a time looking for information on this, searching mm -hmm. for it. And apparently that's where it originally came from is, is my understanding. Okay. Um, and I can't find anything on it. So I would like to interview her. Um, I would like to interview anyone close to it. If you're, if you're, if you knew someone who was affected by the story, um, let us know. Our contact information is on our social media pages, on mm -hmm. Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, let us know. You can Message contact us, us through yeah. Pony Express. Yeah, whatever. Email. We have a phone <clears throat> number. Yeah, because we're going like, to keep going with the true crime. But when I heard this, I just thought to myself, well, this is the perfect marriage of true crime and weird because it revolves around murder, right? Yeah. So this is perfect, and I want to know more about it because you if know. I can cover the murders themselves, I will. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So um, you know that Stephen King's not going to let me near his house since I like the Langoliers. Um, I'm sure Stephen King would would find that charming. That you like the language. I have a feeling he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, that, that movie, I tried to. So I rewatched it two years garbage. ago. It is. It has some bad effects. Really bad effects. But it tries really hard. Listen, there there was something as a child of watching time space devouring walnuts. Yeah. Eat a plane. Yeah. And people lose their fucking minds over it. Yeah. I don't know why that was my thing. Yeah, I almost said the Langoliers, and I'm I dead inside had. that I didn't say it. I promise <laughs> you. And in the background, I was like, I was like, the one movie that everybody would never admit to being their favorite Stephen King movie would be the Langoliers, and I almost said it. But the other one is the one I told you about, the creepy one. It's called Sleepwalkers, I believe. Okay. And it, it was directed by Mick Garris, I know that. And it is... Um, it is one of... It's one of those movies where it just has, like, the most creepy relationship between a mother and a son and everybody looks at it and they're like how did this movie get made like if you watch it it's very un unsettling i'll just leave it at that uh but it is it is actually a good movie it's actually a good movie so if you have more information on this <laughs> hit us up let us know yeah. we want to cover this if you because i can't find a book about it i can't find anything so if anyone here who who hears us has information on this wendy if you hear this we want to hear your side of the story um oh my gosh wendy please please this would get be a hold so of us. Cool. it would be so cool to talk to you we'll come up there and meet with you and talk to you um give us a reason we'll totally to travel to maine yeah we'll uh we'll we'll uh, have a picnic on the old golden eagle um, not on it near it near it we'll sit in the same pasture with it i i am a we'll I am do a, a salt circle i'm a lover down, of everything dodge so that car has nothing to fear from me i will treat it with respect if it was if it was a I'm chevy so nova fascinated or a ford mustang then then i would be you know it would be ugly but because yeah. it's a dodge we're cool all right well i think <laughs> we maybe need to wrap this up a little bit all right i'm your host matt i'm kelsey and stay creepy, guys. You can find us on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere you can find really cool podcasts. But us too. All right. Keep it creepy, you creeps. And get a hold of us if you know anything about the story. I'm saying it one more time. Bye. Bye.